I'm Andrew Smith. This is Today in Church History, a place we're reminded that history is truly his story. History is the story of God and the demonstration of his glory in the theater of world events. Today is Thursday, May 30th, 2019. But on this day in history, May 30th, 1792, William Carey, the father of modern missions, preached a sermon on Isaiah 54 that effectively launched the modern missions movement. Now, we can divide the history of modern missions into three periods. William Carey helped launch the first period, which missiologists say occurred between the years 1793 and 1865. With the journeys of merchants around the world traveling to expand the trade of the British Empire, along with various explorers from the same, missionaries began following in their wake. The result was the gospel literally reaching the coastlands. Many missiologists see the second period of modern missions beginning in 1865, with Hudson Taylor founding the China Inland Mission. The second period introduced a missionary wave that reached to 1934, where missionaries stopped speaking about reaching unreached countries with the gospel and started speaking about reaching unreached people groups with the gospel. For example, the Wycliffe Bible translators sought to focus their efforts not on certain countries, but on specific people groups and languages and dialects. This is because the gospel had simply reached parts of the world that it had not reached before. The gospel had reached every continent and essentially every major country. Today we find ourselves in what missiologists consider the third period of modern missions, a period in which Europe and the United States no longer has the leading role as they once did. Places in the east and south of the equator in the world are now sending out missionaries all across the globe. The point to see in this brief overview of missiology is that William Carey helped spearhead the modern missions movement. He is rightly considered, therefore, the father of modern missions. On May 30, 1792, William Carey preached what some viewed as a controversial message from Isaiah 54, verses 2 and 3. The most famous statement from this sermon, history is simply not forgotten. Expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. That was the essence of Carey's message. That phrase appeared throughout his sermon reportedly. The sermon was the culmination of sermons and writings over the years that encouraged Christians in England to take seriously their duty and privilege of foreign missions. There were some who would be considered hyper-Calvinists. They simply did not believe in the value or even the necessity or the duty of Christians preaching the gospel on foreign soil. Carey grew up in the Church of England. He apprenticed as a shoemaker where he married the shoemaker's sister-in-law, a woman by the name of Dorothy Old. When the shoemaker, Thomas Old, passed away, Carey took over the business. Together, William and Dorothy had seven children, three of which died before they ever became missionaries. During his time as the primary shoemaker, Carey taught himself Greek and Hebrew and began studying the scriptures. Carey began forming friendships with who would become notable Baptist missionary thinkers, men like Andrew Fuller, John Ryland, and John Sutcliffe. These men were particular Baptists, or Calvinistic Baptists. These stood in contrast to the more general Baptists, which did not believe in Calvinism. Eventually, Carey was baptized as a particular Baptist and began associating with particular Baptists. He began preaching and eventually became the pastor of Harvey Lane Baptist Church in Leicester, England. During this period, he read the works of Jonathan Edwards. He also read the journals of missionary David Brainerd. Carey was compelled to be a missionary. More than that, he was compelled to encourage others to be missionaries. 
And even more than that, if one was not called to be a missionary, he was compelled to raise money for missionaries so the gospel could be preached around the globe. Carey's so-called Missionary Manifesto was written in 1792 and was entitled, An Inquiry into the Obligations of Christians to Use Means for the Conversion of the Heathen. Later that year, in 1792, Carey, along with Fuller, Ryland, and Suckliffe, became the founders and charter members of the particular Baptist Society for the Propagation of the Gospel Amongst the Heathen. Later, it simply became known as the Baptist Missionary Society. Carey's missionary manifesto was full-orbed. He not only argued for foreign missions based upon the continuing application of Jesus' command to make disciples of all nations from Matthew 28, but he also pointed to the missionary activity of the disciples in the first century. He went even further, tracing missionary activity throughout the church to its current day. He then provided the very practical statistics of the various religions and population numbers of various peoples. He also pointed out that the difficulty in learning new languages and the risk of one's life on the mission field were simply not good excuses for not spreading the gospel on foreign soil. Carey also outlined a plan on how to achieve foreign missions, which was carried out by the particular Baptist Missionary Society that he helped form. It should also be pointed out that as Carey headed off to India, he could hardly realize how painful his hardships would be on the mission field, not just ministry-wise, but family-wise as well. His circumstances were absolutely brutal, viewed from every conceivable angle of his life. But what is most amazing about William Carey is not only his innovative thinking in terms of missions, his love for the lost, his courage, his intellectual capacity at learning different languages and doing translation work, but most amazingly, his persevering zeal through the many trials and tribulations that he would face on the mission field. What's also amazing is that we don't have an extant copy of Carey's famous sermon preached on this day, May 30, 1792, that served as the spark for the modern missions movement. What we do have is his text, Isaiah 54, verses 2 and 3, and we also have the phrase he reportedly repeated throughout this sermon, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. In one sense, that's all we need. It's that simple. Because God is sovereign over who will be saved, we must expect great things from God, namely the salvation of those from every tribe and tongue and people and nation that he has chosen before the foundation of the world. And on the other hand, we should also attempt great things for God. That is, we should be obedient to the commission given by Jesus Christ to preach the gospel around the globe. You can start today, right now, in your context, with the unbelievers you know. You see, the great motive of missionary work, usually attributed to William Carey, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God, actually originated back further in history with the Apostle Paul himself. Paul was encouraged by God, who told him as he ministered the gospel in the city of Corinth, as recorded in Acts 18.10, The Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. Upon hearing about God's sovereign determination to save those he chose before the foundation of the world, as it's termed here, many in this city who are my people, Paul responded, as we read in the very next verse, and he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Like Paul and like William Carey, let us expect great things from God and let us attempt great things for God for His glory, for the good of lost souls, for the sake of our duty and privilege of sharing the gospel. You see, we can be sure, to borrow the words of Carey's text from Isaiah 54, that God's tent is being enlarged. 
The curtains of his habitations are being stretched out. The gospel will advance. It will prevail. And we have the privilege of joining God in this most important mission to his glory. History is truly his story. It's the story of God and the demonstration of his glory in the theater of world events. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of Today in Church History. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple iTunes by searching for Today in Church History. Also, I'd love to hear from you regarding events in church history that have impacted you personally. You can write to me at asmith at preachingsociety.org. That's asmith at preachingsociety.org. Until next time, I'm Andrew Smith.